You are listening to the Becoming Yourself podcast, your bi-weekly dose of self-discovery hosted by me, Veronica Tai, and me, Olena Gieses. We are a lifestyle and personal development podcast created for women who feel like they might be living the wrong version of their lives, but know that they're capable of something much bigger and better. Our promise is to deliver authentic content to help you develop a better relationship with the most important person there is, with yourself, and see what incredible impact it can have on all areas of your life. Welcome to the journey of becoming yourself. Welcome to the Becoming Yourself podcast. I'm Elena and Veronica is with me today as always and we are recording our episode number five, I think, right? Is yep, it? <laughs> it's episode number five already. And uh, today we have drinks because it's our first episode that we're recording after we officially launched our podcast and I don't think I've been as excited, <laughs> to be honest with you, as I am now, because I feel like we're doing something we both really love. And I just want to say that, Veronica, I really want to thank you for being an amazing co-host. I love saying that. <laughs> and um, I'm learning um, a lot from you. And thank you for being so patient with me uh, and my perfectionism, because, you know, um, as any partnership, uh, we are working together on this podcast and it always comes with some challenges and some great things that we both are taking out of, um, of this podcast. So I wanted to first say thank you. Oh, thank um, you. And, uh, and cheers to that too. Yeah, cheers to Champagne that. Champagne only makes Sunday mornings all the better. Yeah, I'm having I'm having Aperol spritz right now, so cheers. Mm, delicious. Um, and yeah. we we both need a drink today. First to celebrate our our podcast launch and second is because today's topic well, I need a drink because we're going to talk about <laughs> relationships and not just any relationships, but difficult and toxic relationships, which I'm sure all of you guys um, encountered and keep seeing in your life. Um, certain things keep definitely emerging in my life and the way we're going to do it. And by relationships, we don't only mean um romantic relationships we're going to talk about all relationships friendships relationships with parents with co-workers and most importantly our relationships with ourselves and the way we're going to set it up today we're going to start by talking about Cartman drama triangle which is a psychological model that really sets up this dynamic in a relationship very nicely and if you get it honestly it really is going to change your perspective um, and then we're going to talk about some toxic um, traits we see in different relationships in our lives, give you some examples, give you some resources. And we really, really hope this is going to be helpful. And we also really always are looking for uh, to hear from you guys and to hear your feedback. And if you do like what we're talking about today, please let us know on social media, DM us, and we'll keep talking about it. Yes. So... Before we move on, yeah. I gotta, 
you you got to thank me for being your co-host. I need to take a moment here, Elena, and cheers you to celebrate the launch of our new podcast. It's We've had such good feedback from it, and I know people who are listening are really relating to us. So thank you, you guys, for admitting that you too have some perfectionist tendencies, if not uh, are also perfectionists. We're not the only ones out there. I, I knew it. I knew it. But sometimes when you go through this stuff, it feels like you're the only one. And I love to say that I have a co-host. I love being able to bounce ideas <laughs> around with you. I, the ideas and the topics that end up coming out of me are really because of the relationship that we have with each other. And I think that's so relevant that we're celebrating this podcast, us working together in this partnership and in this friendship and talking about relationships for this episode because this is... We're going to have to do an episode on this. Two perfectionists trying to <laughs> do to collaborate together. What does that yeah. even look like? Because, yep. and yeah, I know that we're going to go into more of the relationship stuff, but to hold each other accountable and be able to call each other out when those perfectionist mm-hmm. tendencies are coming in. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really brought up a lot of relationship stuff for me. And I, again, I know we're going to get into it soon. I'll let you bring us there. For sure. Yeah. And um, to Veronica's point, thank you all guys for all your support, all your DMs, um, all your comments. And we already have a few reviews on Apple Podcasts. Like I, I feel like honestly, it's, yes, it's about us and we're sharing our experiences, but at the end of the day, we're doing it to help someone who is struggling or going through the same thing two of us are going through. So thank you all for for listening. And we always want to know your feedback. All right. So we're talking relationships. So um, as I mentioned Um, Even though we're talking about all the relationships we have in our lives and all the difficulties, and if you're a human being, you for sure have some difficulties in your relationships and communications. And um, um, what is my revelation of the 2019, I think, is something I really got finally, is that the relationship I need to cultivate first and foremost, is my relationship with myself. And um, everything that triggers us lives within us. We are mirrors. And if we're being manipulated, we allow someone to manipulate us. Um, it all comes back to, I know, Veronica, you're big on this, to self-worth, self-acceptance, self-love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we talk about toxic relationship, which we're going to talk about later, to me, that's anything that involves any sort of manipulation or control. It's not a grown-up behavior. It comes from insecurities and emotional unavailability. Um, And mastering any communication and any relationship, it's a lifelong journey. Uh, We all come with our baggage and sometimes we can be toxic too. (laughs) And I'm not an exception. I'm going to share some of my toxic traits, but let's kick it off with Carpman Drama Triangle. Do you want to get us started, Veronica? Or Yeah, we can totally talk about the Carpman Drama Triangle. And to preface that, I just have to like call it out because I know that those of us who are on the self help journey or like the self-growth journey, we sometimes put so much pressure on ourselves to just 
be the bigger person or to almost bypass the feelings that are really negative that are actually scary to look at. Like, I mean, jealousy or anger at someone or even blaming. I know for me, that's something that I had a really hard time bypassing. Like, it's really hard for me to point fingers and say, oh, this is what's wrong with that person and kind of allow those feelings to come through as indicators for what's going on. And when it comes to interpersonal relationships, like it's so easy to look around and be like, what's wrong with everyone? Why is everyone being so difficult? Or why me? Why is that one person always picking on me? Or why am I always getting the end of the stick? Either way, it is so much easier to project it out onto something else or maybe into uh, something that feels beyond your control Mm -hmm. rather than actually looking inward and seeing where it is that you have control. And that sounds strange and weird because when it comes to interpersonal relationships and the actions of others, of course, we don't have control over like what they're going to do. We know at this point in time that it's all about the control that we have within ourselves, our, what is it? Locus of control. I don't know which theory that came from. What makes it hard though, when we think about it that way is exactly what I said earlier, where you either point your finger outward or you point your finger inward toward myself. It's either they're wrong or I'm wrong. But what if there's somewhere different that you can go with this, where it's not so much as like who's wrong, who's not doing what, or who's doing too much of whatever. And what if it is more about understanding the role that you play in the drama? When it comes to the Cartman drama triangle, this is such a cool theory to know. And it is going to make sense of all of the drama that you experience in all of your interpersonal relationships from your family to your spouse to your friends, like your girlfriends or your boyfriends or whatever it is. If you find yourself caught up in drama or interpersonal relationship difficulties, you are playing a part. You are actually playing a part. And sometimes, and and I think when you understand the Cartman drama triangle, that's where you can find that stuck point of where you're trying so hard. You're just trying so hard to help someone or you're just trying so hard to be the bigger person. And yet you keep getting sucked into the drama. So we're going to tell you about this one thing, the Cartman drama triangle that can help you understand all of the drama in your relationships. And then we're also going to introduce something else called the empowerment dynamic that shows you how to get out of that drama triangle because you don't want to be playing any of the parts. So the Cartman drama triangle, it's a triangle. Imagine an upside down triangle with the point pointing down. And that uh, symbolizes the point pointing down that this is a downward spiral. This is a downhill fall that you're taking once you're in that drama triangle. And there are three roles that someone may play. There is the victim, which is at the very bottom. And the victim is the one who keeps thinking that it's all their fault or that things happen to them. Their phrase is, poor me. And then there's a role called the persecutor. The persecutor is usually really angry and it loves berating the victim. Its phrase is, it's all your fault. So let's say something happens. You aren't invited on a trip with your girlfriends and it really hurts. If you are the persecutor, you're going to be 
pointing that inner critic right back to yourself and be like, see, I told you, I told you, you should be a better person. You should remember people's birthdays. That's why they're not inviting you. It's all your fault. This, you deserve to be treated like that. The persecutor is pretty mean. And then on the opposite side of the persecutor is the rescuer. Now, the rescuer loves, 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 loves helping the victim. They actually do this because they need to be able to help others in order to feel good about themselves. It's actually kind of a codependent thing that's going on. And the rescuer's phrase is, let me help. So the difference between a rescuer and someone who's actually trying to help is that the rescuer views the victim as kind of like a bird with a broken wing. No, 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 no. You you can't possibly do this yourself here. Please let me take over. And what that does is, again, kind of a codependent thing going on where the victim relies on the rescuer, the rescuer, the rescuer enables the victim. And on the rescuer side, they may either feel like, oh my gosh, I always have to come in and save this person. And you kind of like eye roll, but you're like, oh, okay, here I go again. Here I am saving you. Or the rescuer feels very... Um, nurturing, more like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to raise my hand to help this person who obviously can't help themselves. And what that does to the victim is it puts the victim deeper into that victim mode where they already are believing that life is happening to them, not for them, everything's out of their control. And they just have no ability to make a decision for themselves or take responsibility for their lives. And when they're coupled with a rescuer, then they're justified or validated in this behavior of not taking responsibility for their lives and always relying on someone else. So that's the snippet. Is there anything you want to add, Elena? I thought you described it so well. This is this is such an important and visual triangle to um, to grasp. So I strongly encourage you guys to just Google it uh, for yourself, just to sort of see how it works. There are only three roles but I thought you described it super well. And what's interesting in Cartman Drama Triangle is that we never play just one role. We always, our roles are always changing. Um, and it's not like, I'm sure uh, you guys all have victims in your life. Perhaps the victim is you. Uh, we, uh, we have dominant roles for sure. Um, and it all starts, this dynamic again starts in our families. Basically, when there are more than two people involved in a relationship, there's always this Cartman drama triangle. When there's discomfort in a relationship, it is always there. And not some some roles are not necessarily better or worse than others because for every role there is an intention so um for for victim their intention is to put their responsibility or their problems on someone else on rescuer for a prosecutor they love pointing to someone else's problems and see that they're the ones who are helping or fixing. Um, and for a rescuer, they love feeling like a hero when they help a victim. So everyone had their intentions. But I feel that in my life, my personal trait is being a rescuer. And it I wouldn't say that it you know, played a positive role in my life. Um, but I definitely feel like I'm always trying to fix things for other people. And it often backfires. Because 
And again, it comes back to our boundaries, which we also are going to scratch the surface of the boundaries in this episode. Mm. But it always comes back to boundaries because as a rescuer, I'm always saving a victim. And then one day when I decide not to save a victim or I don't have time or emotional capacity to do it, then victim gets upset and I become a villain or a prosecutor. So the roles are changing in this dynamic. And then you as a rescuer can feel guilty. You can feel shame. Um, So it's very, very interesting how this power dynamic plays. Um, Do you feel like you've been playing a certain role more than any other in your life? Yeah, I love that question. And I totally, totally, I am, I used to be such a victim, or maybe that's kind of my default. And I hate to admit that, actually. It makes my heart cringe to admit that because I am someone who wants to take responsibility for my life, who wants to be able to, who, or who thinks that I do take um, responsibility to for my life. And I try my hardest to make sure that I make decisive decisions and trust that life is happening for me, not to me. And that's a huge one. And while I do believe Mm -hmm. that more often than not today, when I look back before I knew all of this stuff, before all the self-growth stuff, I totally defaulted to the victim mode and I aspired to be a rescuer. So you guys, you're listening in and you're hearing me say these things, uh, aspiring to be a rescuer. Remember, none of these roles are good. And we're going to stay here in the Cartman trauma triangle just for a little bit longer so that you can really understand what all these roles are. And then I mm-hmm. promise we are going to show you how mm-hmm. to just step right out of it altogether. Mm-hmm. That's what you mm-hmm. really want to be able to do. Elena, mm-hmm. I think what you said was so good, though, about the we play different roles. So you're not just the victim. You're not just the rescuer or just the persecutor. Depending on the situation, you could play different roles. Like perhaps in your own life, when something happens to you, you might find yourself being a victim and you're just, woe is me. Why me? Somebody come save me. But mm-hmm. let's say your sibling, younger sibling or older sibling or whatever relationship you have with them ends up in a sticky situation. You may find yourself being their rescuer all the time. Oh, you know, I got to come over and like got to help you. Or uh, I can think of that with friends too, right? There's that dynamic. And that's the thing. That is the whole thing with the drama triangle. That's what makes for a good story, you guys. That's what story, that's what all good movies and books are made out of. How many roles can a character play in this drama triangle and how Mm -hmm. fast? Because mm-hmm. someone who's not in the drama triangle at all, that doesn't make for a good... No one's going to watch a movie based on that. Yeah. We watch <laughs> movies and read books and listen we to need stories drama. based on exactly that <laughs> drama. And you can imagine, let's talk about fairy tales where... At first, the hero is the hero, so he's the rescuer here to rescue the damsel in distress. And then you realize that, oh my gosh, he's actually the bad guy. And then later on in the story, you're like, oh no, we were mistaken. He was just being such a good hero that he was willing to be the bad guy for a little bit so that he could really save. And so he was actually the victim. How many roles can you play and how fast? We are so addicted to being and reading stories and consuming 
The stories revolved around the drama triangle. So I know you might be driving or working out or whatever, uh, but if you do have time right now, take just a moment, take just a moment and really admit to yourself mm-hmm. what role or roles might you be currently playing in your life right now? Mm-hmm. And then, I love this question, Alina. I'm going to turn it to you. And then knowing full well <laughs> that I have to answer it too if I'm going to ask it, what, um, what role, like, what role do you play toward yourself in the relationship with yourself? That's, that's a really good question. And I am constantly catching myself in a victim mode. It's like, I feel like victim mode, everyone... Um, plays this role once in a while. It's like it's Mm -hmm. unavoidable. And basically, we are our harshest critics. And the way we talk to ourselves is probably worse than how we talk to other people. So we are often being victims when it comes to our relationships with ourselves. So this is why it's very important to watch the uh, problem-focused language you use towards yourself. My life sucks. I can't do this. I'm not capable. Poor me. Like all of these things that you potentially say to yourself, you're being a victim in your own drama, <laughs> Cartman drama triangle, basically. Yes. Um, and I think what you said is worthy of repeating again. My life, <laughs> my life sucks. Yeah, my life sucks. I can't sucks. do this. I can't do this. I'm not capable. I'm not good enough. We love this one. Um, and then all of the limiting beliefs that I believe we mentioned in our previous episode. I'm yeah. not smart enough, fit enough, old <laughs> enough, young enough. All of this is yeah, problem-focused language that makes you a with, victim. Yeah. Basically, if it's not dot, dot, dot enough, you're probably in victim mode. And these yeah. are, like, truly, though, this is how you identify if you're becoming a victim. And like I said, I hate admitting that I was ever a victim or that I will ever feel like a victim ever again. I just really, I'm... <sighs> I don't know. I have a very visceral reaction toward it, maybe because it's a mirror shining toward myself. But these are the hallmark emotions and feelings. When you're feeling powerless, helpless, hopeless, or ashamed, if your uh, phrases or thoughts in your head start with not dot, 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 and end with enough, you are probably currently in victim mode. Mm-hmm. And you for sure know people who are also in this mode with you people who always want your attention always wants your want your sympathy always want you to rescue them they don't want to take responsibility for their own life and they thrive on this victims thrive on this and we always rescuers always want to rescue the victims but Honestly, victims don't want to be saved. It's something that I've learned. This is just, you know, their mode of survival, basically. We always are trying to change the victims. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about everyone but me because I am primarily a rescuer. Um, you always want to help by, by, by helping, by uh, trying to offer solutions. Um, And victim never wants to accept those solutions and you feel bad about it. But 
Um, but honestly, um, to me, my, my personal struggle has been understanding why there is so much tension between me and the victims. Why am I not able to interact with victims the way I would love to? And the answer to this question actually is your question. Are you being a victim to yourself? Perhaps the, the answer lies in not being able to accept yourself. And that's always coming back to, to us, to our relationships, to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. Always back to the relationship with yourself, which is why it's such a good question to turn towards yourself of when it comes to the relationship of yourself, what role do you primarily play? And even in just what you said, Elena, this is like so highlighting how stuck and how um, tangled up we feel sometimes when we're having troubles in our relationships. Did you see yourself going from victim to rescuer to victim? Because at first you're like, okay, I'm in victim mode. Like, oh, you know, um, I always turn it back to myself. But, you know, the thing is, I always try to help and rescue others. And there was a mm-hmm. little bit that you said there where victims love to have rescuers. And so when you're listening, this is how, I don't know, how much of a hold the drama triangle has on us when we're not aware that we're in it. Because imagine two victims, someone ends up becoming the rescuer <laughs> at yeah. one point. If I'm yeah. a victim and you're a victim, if I have- We more compete a, in who, who is more of a victim. <laughs> in more of a victim, eventually one of us will become each other's like rescuer. So there's that, there's that. And then you change roles just like that. So you're not or one Or a prosecutor. Forever. I can attack you for you being a victim and then you'll go complain about yes. me to someone else. And, and then they'll rescue you. Totally. <laughs> yeah, victim always need a rescuer. Yeah. And then when you're talking about being a rescuer, there was that part where you said, yeah, I'm a rescuer and like I keep trying to help, but it's just not working. And I don't know why my help isn't helping. And then like it jumped back to victim a little bit. Mm -hmm. So like we're teetering. Mm -hmm. We talked about the, and that's the thing when you're looking from the outside, what is so elusive is that the rescuer and the victim actually seem like good guys, quote unquote, good guys in the story. Well, the victims, the damsel in distress, they didn't do anything to bring this on themselves. They didn't ask for it. Of course, of course, it's not their fault. But the hidden shadow side of victim is what we've said before. You're not taking responsibility for your life. You are not willing to make decisions for yourself and you keep reaching your hand out for somebody to save you. And that's why that's toxic. And the rescuer from the outside, someone looking in and they're not aware of the drama triangle, it's like, Again, they're the quote unquote good guy. It's like, yeah, they're like the hero. They're rescuing the victim. What's so wrong with that? Well, the shadow part of the rescuer is intention. It is, to- of course, we want to help each other. Absolutely. And of course, we should be lending a hand, especially when someone is in need. But what's the intention? Because the intention of the rescuer actually comes from a place of superiority. You feel so good and so much better than the person that you're trying to save. Of -hmm. course, you'd have to feel that way. If they were capable, then they wouldn't need you. The fact that they need you and you want to help in this way means that in some way you're better than them. And that's where that shadow lies. And then finally, the persecutor, you know, we see the persecutor and it's like the bad guy. Like, oh my gosh, that persecutor is so angry. That's so terrible. It's it, They're blaming everybody and yelling at everybody. And 
when I answer my own question of in the relationship with myself, what role do I play mainly? Um, the persecutor. <laughs> I have a close, close relationship with it. And if we were just to simplify it, the persecutor is your inner critic. It is so angry. And its main fear, the reason why it yells at you so hard is that it is so scared of becoming the victim probably makes mm-hmm. sense to you guys now because I already told you how hard it is for me to admit that I am a victim or was once a victim. And the persecutor is very, very loud. Remember, it's phrases, it's all your fault. So if I mm-hmm. sit here and I'm like, oh no, like I didn't get invited to the girlfriend's trip. That's where the persecutor comes in. Rather mm-hmm. than if I was in full victim mode, I would be oh, um, what was me? Wow, you know, like I'm sulking, pity party. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. they like me? So hopeless and depressed. If I wouldn't be the rescuer in this situation, I would look for a rescuer who would come to me and tell me. You would, like you, the rescuer, Elena, would make me feel so <laughs> much better. Uh, can Actually, let's let's play this out. Okay, for example, if I am the victim, I didn't get invited to a girlfriend's trip and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't get invited. I feel so terrible. And you, the rescuer, what would you say to me? I would uh, definitely start comforting you. And I would say, um, this is not your fault. Poor you. Let me, do you want to go on a trip with me? You know, if I'm not part of the group, I would start making you feel bad. And I would start agreeing with you that those people are villains. Those Mm -hmm. people who didn't invite you, you know, and that happens between girls all the time. This is how we gossip, right? We got on, I start agreeing with you and telling you, yeah, you're so right. I so can resonate with you. But you know what girls also do sometimes? Then I would talk to your friends and tell them, oh, you totally are, you know, right for not inviting Veronica. So this is how this dynamic can work, you know? Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's not a real, a real scenario, uh, but I'm just trying to give an example of how we are exchanging roles. Again, mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with your own integrity, with your ability to set boundaries, yeah. But this is just like a plain example of how we can play different roles. And when it comes to friends, yes, of course we want to empath like provide empathy to um to our friends and to support them and often after that when it's not within our integrity, we feel drained. Mm-hmm. Right? We That's feel where drained. you feel that, um, like as you're spinning your reels, like I'm trying so hard. I just want everyone to be happy. And true, it's true. You are trying so hard and you are trying to make everyone happy. And and it is true. And you should not dismiss those emotions. But as long as you're still in the drama triangle, it's going to keep feeling like that. So let me close that loop up with the persecutor who I'm so close to. And then we'll show you as promised how to get out of there because you want to be out of there all together. Now the persecutor would be, if I were self-talk toward myself, it would be, Oh, I wasn't invited to that trip. Oh my gosh, I feel so bad. And that's when the persecutor would start speaking up because it doesn't want me to be the victim and say things like, well, it's your fault. You should have remembered people's birthdays. If maybe you weren't so selfish, they would actually invite you somewhere. But look at you. I don't know. You're too loud. You're too selfish. You're too much for people. Like that's why they don't. And it's on and on and on. 
And if the persecutor were an outside person, if we're really like twisting this up with friends, yeah, you have the rescuer, Elena, where you go to the victim and you say, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, they're assholes. Like, don't, <laughs> you don't have to hang out with them. Here, come hang out with me. I'll make you better. And the mm-hmm. victim's all like, oh my gosh, thank you. And perhaps it doesn't have to happen this way, but perhaps the rescuer may even take it on themselves, become the persecutor and mm-hmm. go to the the other friends and be like, you know what? You guys are being assholes. I can't believe you would do something like this. Do you know how sad it is for Veronica? Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) And the drama exasperates. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So how do we get out of it? Yeah, let's get out of there. Let's get out of there. (laughs) There's this other theory. It's called the empowerment dynamic. So you know how I told you guys to imagine an upside down triangle with a point pointing down for the Cartman drama triangle. Now imagine a right side up triangle for the empowerment dynamic, the point pointing upward. And same thing, there are three roles in this. You instead, um, yeah, I'll I'll pair it up that way first, but just know that you can step into any of these roles. You just got to take one step over to the upside right triangle or right side up triangle and you're good to go. But just so that you can kind of see the relationship, let's start with the rescuer. The rescuer becomes what we call a coach. So the three roles in the empowerment dynamic is coach, challenger, and creator. So the rescuer, the one who says, wow, they're assholes. Don't worry. Come come here. I'll give you a hug and I'll make you better because clearly you can't make yourself feel better because you're a bird with a broken wing. The rescuer becomes the coach so that when the victim comes to the rescuer and says, oh my gosh, like, let's use a let's use the same example. I didn't get invited to the trip. Whoa, that's so sad of me. And <sighs> nobody wants me anywhere anyways. Like, oh, it is that's 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 just me you know helpless hopeless i can't stand up for myself what am i ever going to say to them instead of rescuing when the rescuer becomes the coach they start asking questions that helps put the victim into what we call the creator mode which is the tip the top of the triangle so the rescuer this rescuer as a coach may ask questions like oh okay well Did you want to go on that trip? How does it really make you feel? What do you think you're going to do about it? What's the healthiest way for you to uh, set boundaries when it comes to this and your friends? And what that does is that it (laughs) puts the responsibility back into the victim and it empowers them to start thinking about what kind of a life they do want. Oh, you know what? I don't think I wanted to go there anyways. However, it still hurts my feelings. I better tell them what it means, or I better go ask them and clarify why this happened. Perhaps my invitation got lost in the mail. And I actually remember, I think it was Gabrielle Bernstein who said something like that, where she's talking about your your mind takes you to crazy places if you're going mm-hmm. to put yourself in that mode, where I think it was her where she was giving a story about her actually not being invited to a party and she was getting all upset and like upset with her friend and she was really going to tell her off. And when she 
approached one of the per- people, they were like, oh, no, are you si-? like, no, don't be silly. Of course, you're invited. And the invite actually got lost in the mail. Hmm. So the coach begins to open up doorways for the victim to become the creator. And the creator is someone who has power, who knows that they have power over their lives, who is willing to make decisions and take responsibility for their lives. Not, mm-hmm. oh no, I lost my job and I may never get a job again and everything's going to suck. It's just very Eeyore. <laughs> I keep thinking Eeyore. Mm-hmm. From mm-hmm. Eeyore to maybe uh, Winnie the Pooh, because Pooh Bear is always out there finding honey for himself, figuring things out. And the coach can actually help the victim become the creator. And then the persecutor becomes the challenger. So it's still that kind of mm, stronger, harsher feel. It's more like tough love. (laughs) So when the victim sits there and says, nobody likes me anymore. I should have known that. Of course I wouldn't get invited because everyone hates me because I suck, you know, like I just really suck as a person. The persecutor, instead of being the persecutor, being like, you do suck. You're right. Like, how come you didn't realize you sucked earlier? When you become the challenger, you challenge those types of thinking and you begin to ask questions. Again, the key is in the questions. You ask questions that's going to help the victim bring power back into their lives, like step back into their own power. For example, oh yeah, well, nobody likes me. Of course they wouldn't like me. I kind of suck. Is it true? What makes you say that nobody likes you? Can you think of an example where someone did actually like you? Those are the types of questions that the uh, challenger asks. So the empowerment dynamic, you got your creator, your coach, and the challenger. How do we move from the Cartman drama triangle into the empowerment dynamic? Actually, you might be pleased to know it's actually pretty easy. Number one, recognize (laughs) when you're in the drama triangle because you're just going to go round and round and round until you're realizing, oh my gosh, I'm being a victim or oh my gosh, a rescuer, a persecutor. And then number two, just take one step to the right or the left, wherever, whichever side you've decided to put the empowerment dynamic, take one step over. You don't have to go from victim to creator, rescuer to coach or persecutor to challenger. You can just step into any part of the triangle. A rescuer can end up becoming a creator. A persecutor can end up becoming the coach. Just any, take any of those three roles. And then you'll, you've stepped out of the drama triangle. And then that is the place that you want to live in the empowerment dynamic where you can actually create strong, authentic relationships, where mm-hmm. you can really take the effort to create the uh, deep connection, deep, meaningful connections that I know you guys are wanting, that I know you guys are already working toward. And I think that's the thing. To the best of our efforts, when we're not aware, there's not much that we can do. Now you know. Mm-hmm. Two triangles. Make sure you step <laughs> into the one with the pointy face upward. Simple. But not easy. I know. <laughs> so I know there's something. a lot of there's a lot of theory and a lot of dynamics that we just went through. So again, we will definitely leave some resources in show notes and we encourage you guys to Google it and look it up because you know there's it's a lot to digest. It took us some time to actually internalize this mm-hmm. um, and to see that the only solution 
to not be um, in this drama triangle is not to get involved in the drama, <laughs> which which is which is hard, but is possible. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Veronica, like this is what coaching taught me because coaching is all about um, listening um, and asking questions without forcing any agenda and solutions, right? Mm-hmm. And this is how you empower. Because the moment you start getting involved in the drama, the moment you start rescuing someone or you you become a victim uh, and blame the world or the circumstances or other people or, you know, start or become a villain <laughs> and start chasing people and tell them what they did wrong, you become toxic. You get involved in the drama, the unnecessary. So... Yeah. I think you set it up so beautifully. I think um, it all makes sense to me. I hope it makes sense to you guys. Um, to me, I just, the only thing I would add is because because I am a rescuer in a lot of, have been a rescuer in a lot of my interpersonal relationships, specifically in my family. Um, it took me a long time to realize that I don't have to rescue anyone. <laughs> I can just be pre- present when someone is sharing information with me. Um, and I don't have to validate their point of view. Um, the th- things that I learned to say to someone who is being a victim um, is things like, I hear you. And this phrase is not really giving any validation it's not saving them from anything it's not promising anything to them but just simply saying i hear you what do you need from me now mm-hmm. what should we do now so again challenging the person and putting the responsibility back in this person's court to um make the decisions for themselves yeah. And not being responsible and drawing that boundary and not getting involved in the drama, not validating that um, prosecutor is a villain, but just saying, I hear you. Okay, so what do you want to do now? What do you need from me now? So, mm-hmm. again, just putting the solution back to the person who came to you with a problem because that person is the only one who can come out of their problem. You cannot solve someone else's problems. You can only solve yours. (laughs) You cannot help a butterfly out of its cocoon. You can cheer them on and from afar, but you cannot actually help the butterfly out of the cocoon or it will die, like for Mm -hmm. real. Yeah. I think, yeah. And you know what? The awareness aware you guys have heard and now hopefully you will not unhear the fact that there Mm -hmm. are these things called the Cartman triangle and the empowerment dynamic now that you know you know and even simply becoming aware of it elena i love what you added which is simply saying i hear you you can choose even if you're not ready or you're not sure how to take a step over into the empowerment dynamic yet you can just choose to stop playing roles at all and just Okay, I hear you. Okay, I hear you. But we want to take you further than that. So let's <laughs> leave them with a couple of questions that they can be asking themselves or others that help them shift over into the empowerment dynamic. 
So the ones that I have for coach and challenger, because they're the ones who ask questions, are the favorite ones that I have is to step into a coaching role, whether you're dealing with your connection to yourself in your own inner world, or whether you're working through an interpersonal relationship is, number one, one of my favorite ones is, well, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? It really gets the victim to start thinking about, okay, well, what's really happening here? And the second question that I really love from being in the coach seat or the coach role is, well, what do you want? (laughs) It's a simple question, but it's a loaded one. What do you want? And that allows the victim to start dreaming. It gives them permission to take life back into their own hands. What do you want? Not what's being done to you. What do you want? And for the challenger, one of my favorite questions, we actually joke about it so much uh, between coaches because it's such a good question, is, is it true? (laughs) When someone comes and says, ho-hum, life sucks, the universe is against me, is it true? Or when a rescuer comes to you and says, I've tried everything, everything that I'm doing is just not working, they're just not receptive, and I feel like a failure for not being able to save this person. Simply, is it true? And then the challenger, one that I like, uh, it's a bit more broad, like bigger picture, but when you whittle it all down, it always comes to love or fear. Is this a thought coming from love or from fear? And that really helps you come back to the intention because it is the intention of where you're at and why you're being where you are that either puts you in a rescuer, victim, or persecutor mode or brings you into a coach, challenger, or creator mode. How about you, Elena? What questions do you you like? I love all of these you mentioned, and definitely (laughs) I love the challenger questions. Is it true? Um, And it might seem to a non-coaching community, it might seem like a weird question. And honestly, at first, I thought it's a weird question. Is it true? Of course, it's fucking true. This is what I'm experiencing. (laughs) It is true. Um, But what we've learned through coaching, it's true based on how we feel, but it might not be true factually. Because if you dive a little deeper, and look at all the facts surrounding how you feel um, you might find proof how this is not wrong this is not true Um, so I love this question this is basically the silver lining (laughs) of all of our coaching is challenging people and asking them questions and uh, is it true and trying to find proof of how this is not true and changing their neural pathways into believing um, something more empowering. Actually, that's such a good point, Elena. Yes, yes. That question can bring up some (laughs) feelings of uh, needing to justify, like, shut up your face. Of course it's true. They're mean girls. (laughs) Like, why would you ever question me? Yeah. Uh, And (laughs) And usually I have to say, this is why maybe... I know we're talking about real life situations and we're talking about friends, but this is where it's so hard to, when it comes to friendships, um, it's very different story uh, when you're getting validation from a friend than when you're getting um, an honest opinion and someone who will challenge you from the place of accessing your own integrity 
Because oftentimes, friends try to, you know, just try to be nice to us. They don't want to disappoint us. There's a lot of that dynamic that when you come to complain about something, even if your friend deep down doesn't agree with you, oftentimes they would tell you that they do. Like, Mm -hmm. this is how a lot of friendships work. Is it like, yeah, it's not ideal, but that that's what friendship is usually for. We're looking for validation <laughs> from our friends. And um, coaching plays a very different role. And we're not only talking about us as coaches, but any type of mentor, anyone who is able to look at a situation uh, from a third party perspective and just ask you the right question, challenge you with like, is there a reason you're not being invited? You know, like what, le- look at yourself, like challenge you to look at your own truth. Um, perhaps find some ugly truth about why you're not being invited or why you're being avoided or, um, you know, all of these things. Yeah, actually, that's so cool because you took a completely different pathway with that question. And that's what's so interesting and amazing when we are able to uh, question ourselves because everyone has a different perspective. So, Elena, that's your perspective. Whereas when I'm thinking about, is it true? Also, uh, to kind of deepen that a little bit so that you guys like who are listening in can take it a little further other than just shut up. Of course it's true. I was, I was um, not invited and that was mean. So to take it beyond that, try to ask yourself at least five times. And that's not meant to change your mind in any way. What the intention of that is, is to dig deeper. So I didn't get invited to a girl's trip. Is it true? Or I didn't get invited to a girl's trip. I feel terrible. I'm a terrible person. Obviously, I'm a terrible person. I must be selfish. I must like, there must be something highly unlikable about me. I'm not going to be invited. Okay. Is it true? It's like, yeah, yeah, of course, because that totally happened. Is it true? Okay, fine. The part about me not being invited is true because that totally happened. But now about me being someone who totally sucks. Hmm. It feels true, but is it true? And then you keep digging and the persecutor thoughts of like, you suck. Of course, no one would invite you. You're highly unlikable. You're able to start digging and cracking the lies that the persecutor is telling you. And I'm saying it strongly and boldly. They are lies. You know why? Because anything, and we've said this before, that makes you feel bad, any thought that makes you feel bad is a lie. It is untrue. I agreed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agreed. All right. I think that was, we, we really um, went deep. This was a mouthful today or yeah. brainful today. Hey, a hundred percent. And I didn't <laughs> even get to talk yet about gaslighting. <laughs> I know. I thought and boundaries. I thought about that. So this may be a, a second episode, a follow-up episode. We'll we'll do two. So you guys look forward to a second episode because clearly we have so much to say. There's so much going on when it comes to interpersonal relationships. You might end up listening to this more than once, and that's totally okay. You might even want to take notes because it is such a helpful concept to understand. 
next next week we'll get into <laughs> the other things that we meant to talk about toxic behaviors gaslighting boundaries and we'll talk more about relationships then but for now thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate you spending this time with us and if you haven't subscribed to becoming yourself podcast yet go ahead subscribe now you can also follow us on instagram it's by underscore podcast yay thank you so much everyone for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week Talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.